This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot to the Low Strangers podcast, the perfect solution to the stress and the strain. We have one again, and this week I am joined by Terry early on. Don't worry, Ben will be here later, who was at Brisbane Road yesterday. Hello, Terry. Good morning, Rich. Times are good. They are very good indeed. Much like your last appearance, I'm just going to let you free will. Tell me what you experienced. Another, well, the last time you were on, it was Colchester, which was leasing.com. Well, no, that was the League Cup, wasn't it? And it small was, yeah. crowds. Yeah. You could hear the players talk amongst themselves. A little bit different this weekend. Oh, very much so. Very much so. It was. It was a. Uh, you know, we'll get on. We'll get onto the game in a minute. But it was just. It was just a fantastic sort of day, and it just reminded me and and everybody I was with of what following this club can be sometimes and and maybe hasn't been for a couple of years you know i think obviously with the with, with the with the away and selling out in advance and stuff like that it was always through the build-up and the club's open letter to the fans on saturday morning and stuff which is a nice touch it was always had the feeling of a big day of a big away game but sort of right from right from the word go and, and right from sort of midday when i arrived in the pub it was 
it just had that feeling of being a proper away day again. And it's been a long time since 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 I've had that feeling watching um, watching Swindon. It was it was it was fantastic, and you know the, it was it was positive and it was loud and it was busy and it was just a fantastic day. And and, uh, and something I think we've all missed and sort of all grasping as a fan base that we can have it back and actually we play a part in it as well. So it's really good that the town fans didn't. You know, town fans have their issues with certain elements of the club, but from the football side of things, a manager did a call to arms and the fans have, have reacted. And that open letter this weekend was was a big part of that as well. Absolutely. And it's it's just it's just uh it's it's clever, uh simple fan engagement strategies put in place by the club. You know, that, that open letter was just another example of it. We've seen it all summer. We don't know how much that's driven by Wellens, but he's the only sort of change um, in the last six months. So I think you know credit to credit to the whole club and credit to sort of the individual members of staff and you know the the ticket office guys and and Ben, the new head of media. They're all they're all buying into it, and whether it's driven by Wellens or whether it's a group, mm. it doesn't really matter. It's going hand in hand with performances on the pitch, which is fantastic. But I think as a, as a fan base, we've got to just embrace what we're what we're what we're now seeing. You know, it's, it's very easy to try and temper expectation and stuff like that don't buy into any of that whatsoever you've got to enjoy these days like we've had two years of absolute dross in this division if you can't get on board and just get carried away and enjoy these big away days and get to the pub half an hour earlier than you than you than you have done for the last couple of years or take those couple of mates who don't come very often but but now all of a sudden want to come you know that that's how momentum builds and and yesterday for me was just off the pitch was just purely all about momentum it was just it was just brilliant to have a proper big London away day again and it had, it had a feeling of that all week and, and had a feeling of that all day before the game it was fantastic so there were no major shocks with the starting lineup. I think it's as strong as we could have with the players available McCormick in goal uh, Rob Hunt uh, Iandolo Baldry and Conroy at the back Lydon is Grove Rose and Anderson in midfield with Yates and Doyle up front there's not really much to discuss it that's that's the strongest lineup as it was at the time made complete sense to play that team I don't think that will be the team going forward. We'll come on to individual players and the performance. I, I, I honestly was not surprised, but I was. I was a small part of me was expecting McCormick to be dropped. I had a feeling he was just going to bring Bender in straight away. Uh, but I think that'll be a matter of weeks. I think other than that, you know, I think that the the 11's pretty settled now. Injuries and suspensions aside, I think we've got that core 14-15 who will rotate. Woolery's a fantastic option off the bench. Doughty's back from suspension. Yeah. Well, he's got one more game out. All of a sudden, you've got some real depth. Grant looked, looked good yesterday. A little bit rusty. But, you know, that in terms of depth, we've now got 14, 15, 16 players capable of being a really good sign at this level, which is, which is where we wanted to get to the whole transfer window. So let's, let's go with this first half. And, I mean, I followed it all the way through online. And those who were at the game and those who were able to watch it on iFollow... They were they were using some real real strong terminology to just emphasise how good Swindon Town were in that first half. Was it hyperbole or was it as good as we've seen for many years? No, nah, it's not hyperbole at all. It it was again, and, and this comes back to what I was saying about the fans and the, and the players and everything moving in the right direction with momentum. The first ten minutes, I've not seen a Swindon team start a game in that manner for as long as I can remember. The the tempo and the press and was just unbelievable. Orient can get out. We must have won four or five. I'm probably exaggerating. We, we must have won sort of a handful of corners in that opening five minutes. Uh, a couple of half-decent efforts on goal. 
at that point, it wasn't about quality. It was just all about every single person there representing the club was just absolutely on it for those first 10. And I think that completely set the tone for the game. Orient are renowned under Embleton. We know the way Embleton wants to play football. They're renowned for keeping the ball, dominating possession. They were at home. They just didn't know what hit him that first 10 minutes. Just did not know what hit them at all. And, and we didn't give them a chance to settle. And what that did, ultimately, is after the first 10-15, they dropped off five yards. They couldn't be the press. They started going long. They're not very good at that. And from there, from that point, is when we sort of really got on the ball and just and just sort of started playing our football. But we had to earn the right to do that purely through a 10-minute opening period where we did not let them settle one bit um, and that was the sort of really impressive thing and that was driven by the crowd as much as the players and, and sort of both working in uh, in, in in unison if you will and it was Can fantastic. Can we do that at home? I mean our first half performances this year have been pretty good all along. I think this was specifically something that they set out to do because of the way Orion played I don't think it was a, yeah. it's a home or away thing I think that at home, we're not going to come up against teams who want to come and dominate the ball. So going away from home to a team who do want to dominate the ball, the best thing to do is just absolutely press them to within an inch of their lives for the first 10 minutes. See if they've got the ability to beat the press. They didn't. They started going long. They're not very good at it. We win the ball. Uh, we started winning the ball up higher and higher and higher at the pitch. And that was just giving us a platform to really just crank the pressure. And if, if you look at the goals, I mean, certainly the first two goals, they're not sort of created through remarkable play. They're not, they're, you know, the second goal is a good move, but there was eight, 10, 12 of those moves that ended up in better opportunities that weren't taken or better sort of openings that weren't taken. The, the two goals and were just, at the end of the day, if you if you press and you attack and you win the ball up high, you will create enough pressure that something will happen. You know, Rob Hunt's goal, a complete fluke, but you've got to be winning the ball. Like you've got to be giving him that ball. You've got to get the ball out to him 10, 15, 20 times to have a chance for that to happen. If you're only getting, out, out, if you're only getting the ball out to him twice, obviously the chances of it happening are way less. So it was just about pressure and, and tempo and, the, and, and forcing them to sit deeper and deeper, winning the ball back higher and higher. And for that first half, they couldn't get out of, let alone their own half, they couldn't get out of their own third. It was, it was, it was just incessant. Keshi Anderson scored the first goal after his initial free kick was well, failed to clear the wall. Sort of a cross-come shot, but if you put the ball into that area, it's going to cause people like Dean Brill all sorts of problems. But it was probably most important that Anderson got himself on the score sheet. Um, you know what football fans can be like. I know everyone's on board, but when they go, even though he's not playing up front, people want goals from Keshi, don't they? So it was good. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, Like you said, it's, it's, it's a fortunate goal, but it, he's... Yeah. deserves that luck. He was absolutely fantastic. That first half an hour, he was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. He was, uh, you know, as, as these big away days do, you, you know, I was there with six or seven mates who travelled up from Swindon who go sort of four or five times a year. Not huge Swindon fans, but, uh, you know, follow the club and, and get dragged along when I want them to. They, they know their football. He was playing a different sport in that first half to everyone else. He was just on a whole different level. And I think the, the one thing that I didn't know is because I because I watch it every week is that physically he's a completely different specimen to what he was a year ago. He's absolutely just you know his his shoulders are massive, and all of a sudden, where last year he was getting brushed or pushed off the ball, 
he goes into a tackle, he'll go past someone now and they'll tackle him and they'll just bounce off. And I think that's the one thing that I hadn't noticed in him up until yesterday in terms of the biggest difference. But yeah, he was he was just fantastic, for, especially first half an hour. He was just playing a whole different sport to everyone else. You know, we were giving him the ball every, him and Isgrove, just getting them the ball every opportunity. They go where they want to go. They were creating, you know, opportunities for each other, opportunities for the front two at will. Um, and it's fantastic to see. Mate of mine summed it up very well. He said he's got the he's got championship ability and confidence mentality. And I think if Wellens can start, obviously he has done it, but just through good man management, start writing that mentality. That's one hell of a player we've got ourselves at least until the end of the season. You know, knowing Swindon, he'll probably move on in in the summer. But if he if he has a great season and gets us up, then yeah. that's what matters. Before the second goal, Leiden went off the field injured. Richie Wellens says it should only be a couple of weeks, which is encouraging. Anthony Grant came on. You said he was a bit rusty, but overall, a lot of praise for him as well yesterday. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, I said this and, and lots of people said this on Monday when we signed him. I don't understand why we're signing a holding midfielder. And, you know, funnily enough, the, the people in the club who were paid pretty good money to, to know exactly what to do at a football club got it exactly right. We did need a holding centre midfielder. We did need more depth there. Leiden's gone off after 20 minutes and we brought on a guy who's got 550 football league appearances if we hadn't signed Grant what are our options there you know it's a completely different level and and that's the whole point in, in in having that depth so he 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 was good he was very comfortable on the ball very good breaking things up he tired very quickly in the second half despite only coming on after 20 minutes and I think obviously that's gonna he hasn't played competitive football for a long time because of whatever was happening behind the scenes at Shrewsbury but he'll be he'll be absolutely a serious part of that squad moving forward Different player to Leiden hasn't potentially hasn't got the ability to dictate play from deep, but I think as a sort of destructive force, he's he's a, a serious serious option in there, and you can very much see when Doughty's back, him and Doughty as a two in there. If Leiden is struggling, would be absolutely you know fantastic midfield two at this level. So yeah, fair play, fair play to the club for getting him in, and you know a little bit of humble pie for a handful of people who questioned why we're getting in another midfielder rather than pushing the boat out on I another forward. Free transfer, very low fee signing in January and the loan was just to get the deal over the line. Yeah, you you, you could definitely see that. I mean, he's got no future at Shrewsbury at all and he's at the period, he's at the stage of his career now where, you know, he's probably looking for an 18-month deal. Give it to him in January. You know, he'll see us, see us over the line this year and then be around be around it, whether it's League One or League Two next year, coming towards the end of his career. That's, that's a good move for him and it's a good experience pro for us to have in the building. A lot's been said about his character and, you know, there's, there's bits and pieces about why he's left Shrewsbury or fans of other clubs that he's had in the past. Really good player, but is he a bad apple? Who knows? But ultimately, we're a League Two football club. All of our players come with a little bit of baggage and, and he's got 550 appearances under his belt. He can't be that much of a bad apple if, uh, if he's managed to build a very, very good career at this level. As we mentioned, Rob Hunt's cross-come-shot deflects off Joe Widowson into the top corner. Dean Brill, well, he won't like looking back at that, um, even if it's unstoppable. I think the own goal's harsh. I know it's probably going into past the far post, but get yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, you've got to give it to him, haven't you? Like, oh, I mean, a word on Dean Brill, he was absolutely garbage. Uh, mm. He was just awful. I mean, he must be about 50. I can't. I, he's, I feel like he's been playing. He isn't as old um, as you think, but he did. He did retire really. at one stage to become their goalkeeper coach, and they drafted. He's yeah. thirty-three. Can you believe that? He he retired when he joined Orient to become their goalkeeper coach, and for whatever reason. When they were in the National League, he was drafted in and he played every game last season. He's probably played every game this season. But, I mean, I, I've only got the, uh, the the highlights reel, but oof, 
not great. No, he's not a footballing goalkeeper anymore, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, Rob Hunt, like I said, a complete fluke, but you've got to give it to him. And and, and he was, he's sort of like the uh, the unsung hero. I mean, the hero's a bit strong, but he just played every minute of every game. Left back, right back, doesn't seem to bother him. Didn't put a foot wrong all day. Very good on the ball. More than competent defensively. He's just one of those signings that when you come in, you just think, you know, if you, if you have heard of him, you're thinking, what's, what, what, what's this all about? Like, is this the signing of a, of a sort of promotion-chasing team? And it, again, it just sometimes you've got to remember that as fans, we don't know what we're talking about half the time and the people who are paid to do this exact job. Um, so Richie Wellens signing where where it was pretty much you've got to trust me on this one. Yeah, exactly. And I think as a fan base, we've got to start learning to do that. Well, that was 2-0. Amazing. And then you kind of go, <laughs> well, the mentality from the last two years is still there where you're like, you're 2-0 up and you're like, don't concede a goal before half time because then <laughs> it changes changes the team talk, changes the way we we go into the second half. And then, no, nah, no worries. Ben would have been over the moon because it was a Gagan press. A hell of a counter-attack leading to Jerry Yates finishing to make it 3-0. Lovely. No accusations of cross-come shot as well on this one. Oh, fantastic goal, yeah. This is this is, this is is the goal that, you know, as I said earlier, the first two goals are pretty lucky, but they come just through pure dominance. This is the goal that was built out of pure football and ability and quality. And Isgrove is absolutely fantastic yesterday. I think most fans who were there would probably give, would have given him the man of the match. So, you know, he, he was unbelievable. All, we know all of his qualities on the ball and he's proving it very well. I think he had, because Rob Hunt's goal has gone down as an own goal, he's, he didn't get the assist for it. But even, you know, the, the third goal yesterday, that's his sixth assist of the season, which is pretty remarkable already. What I love about him, though, is just his, his desire to win the ball back. What everyone knows when we get the ball, you know, and, and we get it wide to him, he's very, very good at running directly and creating chances. But... Half the time, he's the one winning the ball back as well. He really, he really is an asset to have, both defensively and attacking. And he'd done that multiple times yesterday. And and obviously, the one time that it really paid off, he got the ball into into Jerry, and it was a lovely finish. Still thinks terrible goalkeeping again, but there you go. Um, you you know you got to you got to put yourself in those positions and, and take the chances at this level and that's exactly so what they he's did. He's playing for his career at the moment, Lloyd is Grove without there ever need to be because we're going to have a serious problem unless he's fully on board with Wellens and what Wellens wants to do and what Swindon are trying to do. We're going to have a serious uh, battle on our hands to keep hold of him and a few other players. But I mean, long may this continue. Having four or five players that other clubs might like. Christ. Yeah, just it's just something we we forgot what it's like to be to have our best players linked away. You know, we spent the last two, three, four seasons trying to get Deadwood out of the club, and now you know this season, if it progresses as as, as we all hope it does, and looks like it's gonna, we've got a battle on our hands to keep. You know, like you said, five, six, seven players. I think Isgrove. I think you're exactly right. He is playing like his career depends on it. He should never be in League Two. Not a chance. Look at his pedigree. Look at his background over the last two or three seasons. The only reason he's at us at this level is because of his injury record. And he hasn't, the last two seasons, put together a 20 or 30 games uh, season sort of campaign. We're giving him the opportunity to do that. And ultimately, it will come down to how much the club want to gamble on his fitness I think personally if he's if we keep him relatively fit and he keeps this form up come January you just put a two and a half year deal in front of him and hope he signs it and hope he understands that A he buys into Wellens and he buys into the club and what we're trying to do and B 
it's time for him to be settled and, and have a stint at a club where he can sort of really get his career, not back on track, it's a bit harsh, but just have somewhere stable and have somewhere where he, he is going to be backed and he is going to be managed properly and, and we are, we can get sort of 30, 40 games a season out of him. Um, the risk with that is, you know, at any point he could break down and, and be out mm. for however long. So you've just got to touch wood and enjoy it while it's, while it's happening and, and build a squad depth that allows us to, to rotate and rest. The goal scorer was Jerry Yates, who's 4-4 four four now in the league and and another another signing where we went all in on Jerry Yates. It was a, it was a target that that Wellens was obsessed with making sure he secured. And it's just so good that in these early days, you, you were seeing why Wellens was so keen to bring him in. Absolutely, yeah. You can't argue with the fact that you know he's got four and four. There were questions when he came in: Is he even an out and out nine? You know, he's playing. Carlisle played him left wing back. I mean, what? what? How, how do you get a position where you play left wing back? God knows. He is an out and out nine, and he's more than he's more than good enough nine at this level and, up, and, and potentially the level above. His work rate is phenomenal, and I think I'm still not completely bought into two up top with him and Doyle. But the one thing I will say is that they are starting to work very well together because their characteristics are so different. Yates has got the work rate, whereas Doyle, let's put it nicely, doesn't have necessarily a great work rate off the ball. But what he does have is a little bit more of a goal-scoring mentality and, and a little bit sort of better positioning and more experience as, as an out-and-out striker. And I think the two of them yesterday, neither of them were sort of fantastic, but they were they were both more than good enough and played their role in a very good win. I love them on Jerry Yates' goal. I think the best assist it comes from Owen Doyle because even though know, he doesn't touch, his, touch the ball, he makes a very good run and while doing it, manages to tell Isgrove where to run and tell Jerry Yates where to run at the same time. He sort of orchestrates the whole move by a simple 15-yard run, which opens it all up. I'm, I'm interested to know, like at halftime, that was as good a performance you'll see in League Two. What were your six or seven friends saying at halftime? Uh, they were saying exactly that. It just you know, it's it's the best they've seen us play for three, four, five years. It's just they were, they, they were just on a whole different level. I think you know, it's a lazy comparison to to. Com- to, to say, but it, they just had the look of a team like Man City. Obviously, we're, we're not anywhere even close to being the Man City of League Two, but we, they had, that first half had the air of a, of, a, of a team who knew exactly what they were doing on the ball and off the ball, pressed super high. Every time they got the ball, they created something. And it, it's not arrogance, it was just pure confidence. They knew they were the better side. They knew that if they keep playing the way they're playing, they're going to they're gonna win comfortably and then they, they delivered when they got the chances and to be sat there at 3 0 it was honestly it flattered Orient. A couple of comments from Leighton Orient fans. One particularly was like before we all go crazy, let's just acknowledge that Swindon are the best team that have been here for a long time. Always nice to read, isn't it? Absolutely. And and yeah, I mean obviously they've only just come up from the National League but it's the best league two forty five minutes I've seen from any team since we've been down here. I can't Remember us? Obviously, certainly can't remember us doing that, but I can't remember anyone doing that to us either. It was the complete performance. They were solid defensively. They were winning the ball back high again and again and again. And when we got, when we had the ball, and either we attack quickly or we build up in phases. Either way, there's so much attacking ability on that pitch that they just create chance after chance. And at last, we've got a front two who take chances as well. It's, it's sort of that first half was the perfect combination of all those things. I was being my usual wet blanket at halftime when I'm just like, you know, I've supported Swindon since when well, my first game was in 1990. So I've seen it all before. I'm just like, I want professionalism. I, we all want to see Swindon score five, six, seven, whatever. But I just wanted it to, you know, we've already had an injury in the, in the first half. Let's just see how we go professional. And it seemed that 
a lot of the reviews that Swindon did take their foot off the pedal a wee bit and Orient came into the game as a result of that. But the start of the second half, Swindon still pushed on. Yeah, it was it was funny. Um, you know, Orient made some changes at half-time and, and they basically gave up playing football. We just started going long and and being way more physical. And obviously, they're at home. They're getting absolutely spanked. They're going to play three up front. They're going to put as many big guys on the pitch as possible. It makes sense that they're going to come into the game, but... So the first 15 in the second half was exactly the same. Lloyd Isgrove hit the bar with an absolute rocket. We had a goal disallowed, which was such a late flag. We, we were fully celebrating the fourth. At the time, I was really confused why it was ruled out. I watched it again back, and it does take a little nick of someone in the middle, which diverts it into far post. So, so fair play to the line. It was, looks like a good decision. And that must have been just before the hour. And actually, that seemed to be the turning point where whether through design or through um, circumstance, we, on the hour mark, pretty much just sat off, dropped five yards. Grant played a little bit deeper. And we just we, we did just sort of try and see the game out, um, which they did very well. Fair play to Warren, they've scored, they've scored one goal. You can't stop that goal. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic finish, but they didn't really sort of put us under any, any sort of crazy pressure. And if anything, we, we could have grabbed a couple more on the break. It was very comfortable. It really didn't feel like at any point we were we were in any danger of, of of collapsing, and it was more a case of let's get out of here with with the a comfortable three points without exerting ourselves too much and without picking up any more knocks because Orient did get a lot more physical second half. For and sure. We're back at the stage where the fans are staying behind after the game because the, the players are applauding them as we applaud the players, and and everyone's leaving that ground. Ready for a good Saturday night. It was a really good feeling walking out of there, knowing that this is this is this is a whole different football club to the football club we've had for the last two seasons. Completely, uh, it was it was just the whole positivity and mentality of, the, of both the fans and the players. It, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. What surprises me is this happened so quickly. Of, quite often, momentum can build over a campaign, but I think the hard work that the club put in in the summer set everything up for for this sort of thing and you know we've been quite lucky with the run of away fixtures having Cheltenham Exeter or in back-to-back weeks you know it gives us an opportunity to build momentum with those, with those away followings if it was the other way around would we have sold out yesterday probably not but let's let's just enjoy it let's just enjoy it while it lasts and, and the momentum is is massively there and We've just got to just got to keep pushing. We now go into two back-to-back home games. Most normal football clubs would look at those home games and think where, where we are in the league and how we're playing. That's a great opportunity to get back-to-back home wins. You've watched this club for long enough, and I've watched this club for long enough to know these are exactly the games that we are terrible in. Um, and all of a sudden, Colchester at home, Macclesfield at home, just look like huge games, huge games. If we can somehow shake off this weird obsession we have with being rubbish at home, particularly mid midweek, and get out of those games with four or six points, then then you know we're really, really motoring going, going to Cambridge in two weeks. Well, before I let you go, let's talk about some of the squad members who featured yesterday. I mean, we, we mentioned it briefly early on he certainly did and that's Luke McCormick he has the added pressure now that Stephen Bender is in the uh, squad he didn't even make the bench which makes me wonder whether he's ready I don't know he's not been playing much under 23 football this year because they've been trying to get him out on loan um, how was he? Luke McCormick's made a couple of good saves he's a very steady goalkeeper at this level but you know I think we've all got to just be honest and if we want to, if we want to go up this year, and we want to really, really threaten the top three, we've got to throw you know sentiment out the window. Bender's been brought in as number one, absolutely no question in my mind. In what world do we make that signing for him to come and sit on our bench? 
it's just not going to happen. He's he's you know six foot five, six foot four, whatever. Uh, young goalkeeper from a decent background, brought through a system of in in a club that plays good football. There's absolutely no no doubt in my mind he'll be number one within within a couple of weeks. And that's not that's not to say McCormick's not capable of being a number one at this level. He is, but we've got to look. We, we've looked to progress in every position. Why not look to progress in goalkeeper? Um, McCormick's fine. The one thing I did would say yesterday is his kicking was pretty ropey. And I think he's never been sort of known for his distribution. I think we knew that when we brought him in and, and he was number one last year. That's, that's probably the biggest criticism I could have of him. Um, and I think for Wellens, that's so important. You know, moving the ball quickly, using the keeper more is only going to benefit us. So I've got no idea whether Bender is decent with the ball at his feet or not. I'm just assuming he is looking at his background. But yeah, I think McCormick will know and I think will accept the fact that He's got a serious battle in his hands. And hey, who knows? He might all of a sudden step up and put in phenomenal performances week after week because he's got that competition. And right now he doesn't have that. Matthew Baudry played, well, he started four games last season for MK Dons. He had one as a sub and he was sent off after seven minutes of that. He substituted a couple of times as well. He's played seven times and I think he's played every minute of those seven games as well. How's, how's he looking? Solid enough. Um, solid enough. I, out of all of our sort of start, you know, core 14, 15 players, he's the one that I'm a little bit unsure about. He just defensively seems pretty good. He just is there's something about him that I think makes it. He's got a bit of a ricket in him somewhere. He played one pass yesterday across trying to find Conroy inside the centre forward, and the centre forward robbed it, and and and, and was you know picked up the ball just inside our own half from our own centre half. It's just stuff like that that I don't know whether we're asking him to if to play in a way that he's not hundred percent confident doing or whether he's just a league two centre half and that's that's what you get. But you know, fair play to him defensively, him and Conroy are absolutely fine. I do just sometimes think he's got a bit of a ricket in him somewhere. And finally Mark Cooper, Martin Ling, Luke Williams, David Flickcroft and Phil Brown. Is Richie Wellens finally getting the best out of Ellis Iandolo? What a question. Uh, he's yeah Ellis is an enigma. I think we were chatting about it yesterday. If I was if I was Iandolo, I would just come out and say, I'm a left back. Let me try and build a career as a left back. Uh, the last two games, I was at Cheltenham um, when Iandolo didn't play and he went with um, Hunt on the right and, oh, no, sorry, Hunt on the left and Reed on the right. Reed was not great. You know, he was probably at fault for certainly one, if not two goals. Iandolo came in 20 minutes of that game looked pretty solid, looked all right against Morecambe. Yesterday, did absolutely nothing wrong. I think he's a player that if you back him and you play him, he will get better each game. I think because it's just a, I think it's a mentality thing with him. I think he needs to let the shackles off and throw himself into tackles. We spoke earlier about Lloyd Isgrove looking like he's mm. playing for his career. Iandolo should is literally playing for his career. You know, we don't know how long his contract is, but I think it's a fair assumption to assume it's up this year. He's got to be absolutely flying into everything and being a hundred miles an hour and buying to everything Wellens is doing because if he doesn't he's, he won't be a football league player next year so I think if he gets that and Wellens sort of manages him correctly there's no doubt he, he can be a decent sort of squad member is he going to keep Friars up when Friars is back probably not but can he get ahead of Reed in the pecking order I'd probably say he already is so fair play to when Iandolo made his debut in that squad was Vigaru, Orman Ottawil, Oabd, Branko, Louis Thompson, Anton Rogers, Drissa Troyore, Ben Gladwin, 
Nicky Jose and Jermaine Hilton. How time flies. Fifth season at Swindon. Of course, the one name that I'm missing out is James Brophy. Even Jamie Sendles White joked about the amount of stick that Brophy got at Swindon. How was he yesterday? Oh, he hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. He just, I feel a bit mean for saying it, like, but he just—he's like a child. It's like watching a child play football in, against adults. It just—it just goes down every every time he got the ball and was in any sort of physical battle. He just fell over and looked pleadingly to the referee. It's just yeah. nothing's changed. No, no end product. Uh, Flatters to deceive, quick, but got absolutely no change out of anyone he was up against. Yeah, you know, or, or from what I can gather, he's been very good for it this year, and they've been playing him wide. He played number ten yesterday and just did nothing. James, if you're listening, get in touch. We'll talk. Terry, that was lovely. Thank you very much. Cheers, Rich. Take care. Early cross. Chance for White. Wonderful goal for Steve White. Magnificent goal. A lovely cross. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Well, there we go. Thank you to Terry for his take on Leighton Orient 1, Swindon Town 3. Substitution. It's Ben. Hello, Ben. Hello, Rich. Three one. Now I know there's 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 town fans out there that will be just rolling their eyes and saying, "I can't believe that you're all celebrating a three one win at Leighton Orient." But it was a very impressive first half performance and ninety minutes in hold. Clearly, yeah. I mean, you could, uh, League Two has been pretty bleak for us generally, and this is a, a sort of a brief upturn. That's that's good. So we should definitely sort of ride the crest of the rave as it as it's sort of happening. So um, so yeah, that's all good, and hopefully we can sort of get on a bit of a run. But I think, well, I think during my years of covering Swindon, it's very rare that we've sort of gone gone on a run of sort of like two, three, four wins in a row. So um, so yeah, two is a good start, and hopefully there there are more to come, and there can be an actual proper sort of promotion charge this time rather than just sort of brief flirtations in our first two seasons back in League Two. So your job within this episode is to listen to some questions from some listeners and try and answer them the best you can. But before we get to that, is there anything that you would like to add? Any observations? Because you've listened to Terry's take. I think Terry sort of covered it pretty um, well generally. And he was at the game, so he can definitely provide a better insight to me. And yeah, I definitely think it's just, you know, a, a good win that hopefully we can sort of put onto something greater. And, and Terry analysed it pretty perfectly from, from what I heard. So hopefully I can sort of uh, answer some people's questions sufficiently. This can be a, a generally well-balanced podcast and I don't uh, ruin all the good work that Terry did earlier. Thank you to all of those who sent questions and musings in. Much appreciated. First one's a long one. It's from Matt Anderson and it goes like this. I left Swindon when I was four and the UK when I was 26, 19 years ago. I've had updates from my dad, followed live text on the BBC, listened to radio commentary and been watching online since it became an option. Last season was rough. Up at 2.30am, miserable results, some awful performances, but glimpses of what Wellens wanted. This season is like a revelation. There's still anxiety, but confidence and positivity from the fans to the players to the staff. After a few games... I saw exciting players, positive formations, but after the Leighton Orient game, I realised this is Swindon now. This is what teams have to deal with and will fear every week. It's the best feeling as a fan to share their confidence and know we really can take anyone on. So far, all lovely stuff. His question, some of our best times were when players hung around. Four, five, ten year stints. I don't expect that now. 
but is our best shot of achieving consistent League One or even Championship status to nurture and retain the players we have? Is this two-year turnover what we have to expect for the future? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think, as some of the listeners said, that, and I said previously on this podcast, that Football League teams so regularly sort of go in two-year cycles and players don't stick around for very long in the Football League anymore. I think I think it happened quite a lot, sort of like 40, 50, 30 years ago, but sort of certainly since I've been following the club and possibly the, the generation before that, it's sort of... The good players get released, and the sorry, the, the bad players get released, and the good ones sort of um, get better deals elsewhere. So it's it's definitely sort of a sore sort of issue that uh, a lot of fans don't feel connected to a lot of the squad because you know, like I said, the good ones, the good ones leave, and the, the bad ones sort of get binned, and people want to see the back of them sort of straight away. But certainly, I think we've seen in in recent years that teams that have gone from League Two and up through the divisions can sort of keep a core of the squad that can be relied upon. I think I think of Luton that went from League Two to a Championship with back-to-back promotions. I think they still got the likes of James Collins and Alan McCormack, and I think Graham Shinney was there too when they were in League Two. So I think if you can keep sort of a core of the squad that don't get poached and uh, are loyal to the cause and that can that can be a good sort of springboard to build on. And I think we've sort of got a few players like that that can be kept on, but I think there's definitely worry too that a lot of the key players uh, of this season certainly are out of contract in 2020. The likes of Isgrove, Leiden, Anderson, Woolery and Conroy can all go next summer unless we sort of get negotiations done. So I definitely think if, if you can keep a core of the squad together and that can sort of bolster you going forward, but it's a sort of bad time for Swindon that a lot of the like I said, key players could be leaving us in, in sort of twelve months' time if um if they don't get you know bought into the project fully and everyone can convince them to um sort of go forward uh, through the leagues and, and hopefully makes Swindon uh, makes Swindon great again. <laughs> I kind of hate you for saying that last bit, but <laughs> I mean it's epidemic within the football league these one two year stints, isn't it? It's not something that's that's unique to Swindon Town, but a good few fans have already started noting that it's that feeling of it's great but it's make or break really because if we don't achieve this season then not a couple of these players will be gone they'll all be gone this is a bigger picture issue isn't it the the two-year contract thing unless Swindon have an academy that's churning out Swindon born Swindon footballers yeah it's like like I said it's not Swindon specific so a lot of people sort of um dislike power or, or even previous chairman that sort of let these players go but I think they've got short careers and if um, they get an offer from a, a League One or even Championship club when they uh, could be selling League Two with Swindon I think it's, it's quite an easy choice and you know although people might not like it it's not really you know sort of the chairman's fault for holding these players back or anything so um, so yeah it's, it's definitely not Swindon Pacific and it definitely happens sort of all across the leagues and it's it's just a, a unnecessary sort of hazard that footballing clubs have to sort of deal with but I think as long as there's sort of like a continuum plan in place that if someone like Isgrove does go, then they can find a winger that can um, can be replaced and do the same sort of job, which I would hope that Wellington's sort of doing already, um, really, just in case sort of Isgrove just turned down that extension that will no doubt come his way in sort of March, April, May time. So as long as there's some sort of contingent plan in place to replace these players that, that could go in a year or two's time, then Swindon should be okay. But if they can keep sort of a core of the squad together, that would be that would be more than ideal. I'd be shocked if some don't have contract triggers where we can activate a an, another year. As you, as you know, I sort of do like a, a, a contract list every every season. The only one that's got a definite black and white option in the contract is is Will Henry. Is Graven Lydon haven't, according to the club statement, but it wouldn't be the first time the club have have not mentioned options. So. 
the likes of Lyde and Isgrove, people like that could have options. But as far as the um, the general public are aware, they don't exist, but um, they, could, they could well do. Next question is from our man in Guangdong, Jack Tanner. Obviously, Wellens has had a positive impact on the field since joining, but what or who has led to the much improved relations off the field in the past six months? I think I'd have to go for the um, sort of sit on the fence hours and say it's, it's a combination for both things. I think, although Wellens has had sort of a, a big influence on that. I think doing the sort of um, going to schools and that sort of thing, I think by his own sort of admission, he hasn't been uh, the driving force behind that. I think it's been people at the club that have just asked him and he said sort of yes, every opportunity, which is which is good. I think not many managers would say yes um, to doing stuff like that all the time. So although Wellens isn't the um, the brainchild behind it, then at least he's saying yes to these sort of things. And then I think you have to sort of look at the, um, the sort of social media side of things. But um, I think also that sort of is, is sort of results pendant. I think although Ben Hook has done some great work I think sort of the likes of Andrew Still Davis sort of did similar-ish work but he was sort of hamstrung by the club being miserable because he was covering sort of a relegation season so um, Ben has been doing great work and so is um, everyone else at the club but results are the main thing I think that's going to be the, the main thing that sort of um, that keeps the mood up and I worry about a dip in form could sort of lead to some people getting disenfranchised again but generally it's quite positive and I think pretty much everyone at the club can be sort of thanked for that. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's been a change in internal policy about how the club interact with their with their supporters there's it's almost clear that something has relaxed in the background I would say. Yeah definitely I think we've seen sort of a, an added budget for the likes of the fan park and, and that sort of thing and giving away free beers which I, I wouldn't have seen about four or five years ago so um, so all that sort of stuff is nice and if, if there has been sort of um, you know internal communications about uh, making more of an effort to, to brighten it up and, and put a bit more money into um, the off-pitch stuff if you like then that can only be a good thing but um yeah, I think the, result, the, the results need to follow for it to have a real long-lasting impact, I think. Let's hope they do. Danny Cole asks, So far this season, we've been able to replace key players such as Doughty, Leiden, Friars and Yates without any obvious detriment to the team. Is there any player we couldn't afford to lose? I'm hesitant to say is Grove, but I'm, I'm not just sort of saying that because he's been the sort of obvious player of the year so far. But I, I think um, if there's one thing I'm sort of disappointed with, um, sort of transfer window-wise, I would have liked that sort of backup winger since Jai Simi got injured. And um, although Kane Warrior could do a job, I don't think he'd be quite as good as his Grove. So um, I don't think Sunday would completely fall off if his Grove got injured. I think Kane Warrior would sort of not quite live up to what Isgrove has done, but I, I do like him and he, he's doing them. He would do a decent enough job and sort of Conor Garrett made the point last week that, um, you know, if, if injuries do happen to the likes of Isgrove, uh, then Anderson can get moved, Worry can come in and Doughty can go to 10 and all, all sorts of things and, and that's all spot on as well. So I, I don't think, like I said, Sunderland would completely fall off if Isgrove or someone like that got injured, but I think there would be, you know, a situation where some wins become draws and some draws become defeats and that sort of thing. I'm almost certain Richie Wellens and his staff will be uh, preparing for Isgrove's injury if if it does come. So I expect them in the training ground for, for somebody to be mirroring Isgrove and just learning how to play the way he does and it that's Woodery, then so be it. At least we haven't got a, a squad that's sort of renowned for having injury history, anything like that, have we? So um, nothing to worry about there. Mm, quite. <laughs> SN1 Robbins wonders whether Friars will get back into the first team when fit. 
Iandolo has not done much wrong and actually offers us slightly more going forward. Also, the same question redoubty. Are Leiden, Rose and Grant all better options if we stick with a two-man midfield with two up front? Is Doughty dependable enough in this formation? Some tricky selection issues ahead. But hey, this is the first time in a while we've had this headache. (laughs) Yeah, that, that's that's the main point. I think. I'll start with the Friars one first. I think he probably would come straight back in. I think, although Iandolo has been sort of fine, I, I disagree with the point that he's been better going forward. But Anderson did sort of praise him post Morecambe, saying that he was doing the right runs that allowed Anderson to go inside and that sort of thing. So Iandolo has been fine, but I generally do think that when Friars is back, he would be straight back in because he's the only sort of orthodox left back because Iandolo, <laughs> I think even though he's played there quite a lot, we're still not 100% sure of it or... or um, or certain of it, and Rob Hunt uh, again has played left back a few times, but generally seems more of a right back. So I think Fries would come um, straight back in, and I think fullbacks is so key to how Wellens is doing this that he'll want his first choice fullback pairing back as soon as possible. So I do think Fries would come straight back in. I think the the Doughty question is uh, a bit of a harder one. I think you know I've I've had my sort of um, worries with four four two if you like, and, and generally they've it's been perfect. We've seen two convincing wins out of two, so I've got no complaints for me there, but. Generally, I think we could struggle if Doughty sort of came back and um, he wouldn't control them for the, like, the likes of um, like um, Leiden and Rosewood because, you know, as we all know, as, as talented as Doughty is, he doesn't do that. Uh, he doesn't do much running. He's not much of a tackler. So I think, well, Leiden's injured now, but I think uh, Grant could be left pretty horribly exposed if you've got everyone in the field attacking apart from him and uh, two strikers as well and plus a fullback. So... I generally think if four four two is the, is the way forward, then they will they will need those sort of two deeper line midfielders in in you know one of Grant and Leiden and then Rose and possibly May as well. But for, whereas four two three one sort of more suits Doughty strengths and uh, there's more people combining there, so that could be a, a brief worry. But as we, as we sort of touched upon, there's sort of plenty of options that this winning team can can use and. The centre midfield is pretty stacked and has got all the players that sort of needed there. So if injuries do happen and if uh, form does sort of drop a bit and there's plenty of options that Swindon can sort of tinker with to, to, to get the results around again or, or to um, sort of combat injuries that could happen um, in the squad. There'll be plenty of changes to this 11 over the season. I have no doubt about that. Kieran Hart asks if there's any danger, despite the good start, that will eventually peak too early like many teams in recent years and fall away towards the end of the season. Thinking back to Di Canio, not a great start, but got it together towards the latter end of the calendar year into the following. So what do we reckon? Do you reckon that we're, we're doing too well too soon? I think my side of this is we're only fourth, we're not top, and I think it's slightly different to the scenarios that I can think of. I think it's what Kieran's referring to as well, which is like when Leighton Orient... Uh, had a great three-quarter of a season, as did Shrewsbury and Tramier, all League One examples, I grant you. I mean, it's very early on, isn't it? I'm getting increasingly aware that um, I'm sort of being quite sort of <laughs> downplayed and negative for what is a, a brilliant free-roll win and, and back-to-back wins. Um, as someone pointed out on Twitter this week, I've been a bit <laughs> pessimistic in recent weeks when I was a, a happy clapper last season, so that's, uh, that's that's new. If I've got one worry, one worry at the moment, I'd sort of say that... I'm a bit nervous about Christmas. I think we know that this this team is high octane, and there's a there's a few injury worries. And I think even the likes of um, sort of Bielsa and Klopp have had these sort of accusations that they could face burnout. And if you know the athletes of Championship and Premier League are getting that sort of um, 
label, then then League Two could be a serious worry. So I'm I'm a bit anxious for about Christmas and November. If we get through that, then I think we'll be all right. But um, generally, I think we can we can start well, and then we might have a bit of a tricky patch. Um, sort of like a, like I said, around that festive period, and then hopefully they can sort of get over the worst of it, and then March could be you know, the sort of the crowning moment, hopefully, to <laughs> to get promoted. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll see what Wellen says. I'll ask him the question around Christmas if he's worried about that, and I'm, I'm sure we say no, but. His answer could be interesting there, and hopefully, as long as there's sort of um, some sort of plan to get us through that tricky period, then we they should be okay. That that will be one slight worry of mine currently. Come on, Ben. <laughs> Christmas is ages away. Let's just enjoy <laughs> the moment, right? I'll say at this point, I I love Wallens as much as anyone, um, even more probably. Uh, so um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm very much confident in effing that's going on right now. You know, I've supported Swindon long enough to not get carried away and that sort of thing. So um, as much as I'm enjoying the sort of uh, a wonderful summer this has been, and as we go into autumn, um, it started well as well. So <laughs> when, we, when we do this podcast in mid-November, then I'll start getting uh, properly nervous, and uh, and that'll be the acid test, I think, of, of this modern Wellens team. There's definitely this feeling of nervousness towards the squad, their availability and whether they get recalled. Peter Norris asks, is it possible that Bradford will recall Owen Doyle in January if he keeps scoring? Not to play for them, but just not to play for us. That would be a wicked little game if they did that. <laughs> I'd, I'd secretly quite admire it because, as you know, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of the art of shithousery. So um, I, I would secretly admire that, even though I'd hate it, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I think I sort of said last week that that is my that, that is a worry. But I think if Bradford were going to do that, I think they wouldn't have let him go in the first place if they were that desperate to get off the wage bill and that sort of thing. So it, it's definitely a possibility if there's a recall clause in there. If they didn't want a player at a League 2 rival, they wouldn't have put him to a league to rather in the first place and, and Bradford have picked up as well so they might bat themselves sufficiently to to get promoted regardless of, of um, Swindon having a good goal scorer and hopefully uh, Doyle doesn't get rep- uh, recalled but if he does then that window will be open to hopefully replace him with someone good and, and Yates has been perfectly fine himself so it's another slight worry I've got in the um, in the midst of the happiness and all, of all of it but uh, if if um, if the worst does happen I think Swindon have got enough sort of backup and they'll have enough time to, to get someone else to, to fill the void hopefully It's bad enough that he can't go up to Valley Parade in a couple of weeks when we play there the thought of them recalling him just so they won't play him I don't want to think about that. <laughs> it will be a, a shit thing to do, but um, his contract's up in the summer, so he could, they could definitely do that and live with the unhappy player for three months. So um, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but they could, they could even be League One clubs that are interested in him as well. So they, they could definitely be a sort of plan for Bradford to negotiate that. But um, ho- hopefully something can um, can happen that that doesn't sort of work out like that. And like I said, there should be enough time in January to um, to, to get around the problem. But yeah, like you said, it's bad enough. We can't play him in a few weeks' time. So um, viva Jerry Yates, I think. <laughs> Final question is from the already mentioned Connor Garrett. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much better is Lloyd Isgrove's new chant than the old one? For those who haven't heard it, here's the chant courtesy of a clip uploaded by Adam Farmer.
I mean, as chants go, Ben, it's not the most original. I have to confess I didn't hear the original or I did go for chant, but I do like the new one, um, Spandau Ballet by, uh, sorry, Gold by Spandau Ballet. Isn't that three banger? So I'm all, <laughs> all, up for, uh, all up for that. Well, on the subject of, of chants, though, can we uh, get an improvement on Dion Conroy's? Because uh, even though I would never discourage um, new chants of players and uh, and yeah, the, the increase of optimism and, and love for the club, uh, Dion Conroy's chant is, uh, is rubbish and generic. So um, that's my homework for this week. Someone please come up with a better chant for Dion Conroy and uh, I'll definitely enjoy Is Groves for, uh, for uh, a long time to come, hopefully. And on a scale of 1 to 10, what we give in the Is Groves song? I'll give that a solid 9. It's uh, not the most original. That'd, that'd be um, holding me back from a 10, but like I said, uh, Gold is an absolute tune and uh, it's uh, I, don't, I don't hear it much from other clubs. So, um, so yeah, all, all four Lordies Grove and uh, I'll be singing that long into the night once that promotion is confirmed. Bristol City do it. But it's not a player; it's to Thatcher's gold. To be fair, that works better given it's gold. But um, I'm not giving Bristol City credit for anything, so uh, that is ours now. And uh, is Grover's better than Thatcher's gold confirmed? Elsewhere, Town's very own Luke Haynes was forced to go in goal for the final ten minutes of Chippenham Town's two-one win over Tonbridge Angels. Good to know if Luke McCormick, Stephen Bender, will Henry and Archie Matthews ever overdo the seafood buffet? Then we've got an option. Yeah, sadly I didn't see this, but um, I, I take the um, sort of comment on Twitter's word for it. I, did he did he concede or did, did he keep a clean sheet for what was his brief cameo? I believe there was a late goal, so I'm not sure if that was Haynes, but I'm pretty sure it was. That's a shame. Um, <laughs> I, I have seen him once with Chippenham. He sort of did a, a decent shift at centre mid. I was sort of told in the summer that he was sort of a centre-back slash holding role. And I, for my sort of squad list, I put him in centre-back because we didn't have that many when I made it. He, he did quite impress in centre-mid, and although we are pretty stacked in that area, which doesn't help him, uh, I think that's good that at least one academy uh, sort of player is doing well on, on loan because uh, I, I don't think Bancroft is getting in much at Salisbury and, um, you know, Graham has just been loaned out to Highworth as well. So hopefully he can get some good minutes there. But good to see... Uh, Luke Haynes is getting moved about all over the place and getting experiences of, um, of first-team football, even if some of it is in goal. Can we spare a thought for Jermaine McGlashan, who is currently on loan at Chesterfield? He started in the 2-1 loss at Bromley. He lasted an hour before being substituted as Chesterfield dropped to the bottom of the National League. Former town players Jonathan Smith, Will Evans and Curtis Weston were all involved in that game. But the game made social media because of what happened at the end. Will Evans and Curtis Weston, amongst a few others, getting involved with the fans in the away end. Oh dear. Yeah, I think Curtis Weston just said, just um, went to say hi to some family and then uh, he got started on, for want of a better phrase, by the, um, the Chesterfield Ultras. So, um that didn't go quite so well, but uh, very bleak times for that club. And, uh, you know, cynics will say that a team um, sort of full of so much swindled alumni can only sort of get relegated from the National League. But, um, yeah, I think I think they will turn it around once they sort of sack Sheridan and probably find someone better. But, yeah, very bleak time up in, uh, up in Derbyshire for them. Mm, good luck to them. Last week, Swindon Town played a behind-closed-doors friendly with Brentford. Finished 1-0 to Brentford, courtesy of a goal from Denmark youth international Christian Tew 
Jensen. The highlights, five minutes of highlights, can be found on YouTube or Brentford's website. It was quite even in distribution. They showed a few Swindon chances. The lineup was Will Henry, Tyler Reed, Tom Broadbent, Taylor Curran, Joe Romanski, Adam May, Michael Dalty, Anthony Grant, Sidi Sonoko, Scott Twine, and Kane Woolery. Sidi Sonoko in the number 32 shirt coming to a leasing.com subs bench very soon. Yeah, I'm getting more um, Bangora vibes by the week. I think when you added um, sort of the Grant signing to it as well, then uh, I'm really not convinced how many uh, minutes Sonoko's going to get. But clearly he's been somewhat of a, a cult figure around the club since his sort of prolonged trial and the, uh, the sort of month-long wait for international clearance and all the rest of it. So uh, I'm not sure how many minutes he will get, but hopefully I do see him once in, uh, you know, just a late cameo or something in a FA Cup game, whatever it is. Yeah, I think uh, for those who do check out the highlights, there's, n- there's not a lot to sort of... Um, reading too deeply despite the lineup being quite strong for what is a behind closed doors friendly but um, there is a very fine Sunoco shot that sort of flies into the uh, <laughs> sort of the top of the town and sort of midway through that so that's that's quite nice to enjoy but um, I don't think even if Sunoco does get some minutes he certainly won't be um, relied on for goals so I wouldn't worry too much about it but it's uh, definitely some entertainment for what is a, a pretty bland behind closed doors friendly highlights Well let's finish with the next fixture it's Saturday, 14th of September at the County Ground. Daryl McMahon's Macclesfield Town come to Swindon. Players to have featured for both sides include Harry Smith, Alan Navarro, Yasaka Seen, Paul Ince, Folaron Abuje, Ashan Holgate and Richie Wellens played the final quarter of an hour of his playing career playing for Macclesfield over two substitute appearances during their 2016 Christmas schedule. Our league form against Macclesfield is better than our cup form, shall we say. We did the double over Macclesfield last season. Of course, there was that dramatic opening day game at the county ground and we beat them very late on at Macclesfield also. I did a little bit of research into this. From the two 11s for Macclesfield that started against Swindon last season, how many of those, and there's more than 11 players here, how many of those started their last game this weekend oh uh uh eight one wow yeah some turnover fiacra <laughs> Kaleha, the irish defender used to be at oxford he's the only one that started both games they do have a couple of others in the who are out of favor at the moment uh david fitzpatrick michael rose and nathan cameron but they are very much on one appearance in the EFL trophy sort of sort of situation. So this is a completely different lineup, a different squad than what we experienced last season. They've started much, much better than what we anticipated. And if they would have hung on yesterday to win, they would have been right on our tails. And they're only a few points away. But we absolutely have to be looking at picking up points against Macclesfield at home. Yeah, you sort of done my work for me there. I was going to say that one, a massive surprise on where they are and how they've been doing. Like we said, we both had them down to get relegated and they started quite well under Campbell again, which half expected, but I still think their playing staff wasn't amazing. So even though Campbell has been doing very well as a manager, um, that's still a minor surprising start. And then um, Campbell left and then I really thought they'd fall off and they absolutely haven't um, under their new manager. So fair, fair play to them and, and credit to them. But yeah, even though, um, again, like you said, last season we, we needed 90th minute winners twice, even though it is a diff- if, different side. Um, we should still be looking at Macclesfield at home as one of those three pointers that we should be getting. And um, 
although I could sound like a broken record as we get from here until May and I'm talking about home games it could be one of those sort of banana skins game where they sit in and but although Macclesfield have impressed sort of at the beginning of the season I'd still expect maximum points because I think we're a better side and they might even try to attack us given the um, given the sort of start to the season they've had so I'm quietly confident uh, a bit more nervous than I would have been if we had this in August because I, I didn't expect them to be doing as well as they are doing but I'm still um, I'm still sort of in the same mood as I was sort of pre-Morecambe that a bit nervous given that it's potential brown skin but we should have, should have enough to, um, to overcome it I think for me the nerves are based on the fact that we're doing so well at the moment and now we're going back to the CG. We really need one of those performances that get those who just turn up two, three, four times a season to go, oh, I might go and watch Swindon next week. So we need one of those encouraging victories where we're dominant, where the town ends are singing the Lloyd Isgrove song all the way through. I'm going to go with 2-0, but I really want it to be a bigger win than that. I just really hope we don't swindle it, so to speak. I'm going to stop going for clean sheets because uh, <laughs> that sort of pre-season okay. take that I, that I made at the time and I hated at the time looks worse by it. So um, I, I'll still back the three points, but I'm going to wipe out clean sheets now. So uh, 2-1 swindle. There we go. Macclesfield have a big game against Grimsby in the EFL Cup this midweek good luck to them i really hope that they have a exhausting 90 minutes which they win but it allows swindon to just uh get three points a few days later yeah shame there's no time in the league cup anymore but um yeah like, like i said hopefully it's a, a tiring experience and i think i think grimsby are kind of similar to swindon in the high press i think that's what michael jolly is doing there so hopefully they are pressed to death at grimsby and um sort of struggle again when they have to do it all over again on Saturday and they're pressed to death there. The usual closing question, anything to add? <laughs> like I said uh, on Twitter, I, I can't top Anthony Gartislando's order, so um, I haven't done as detailed research as I should have done and I can't offer um, City Snurko's Domino's order or anything like that. So um, yeah, Conor Garrett wins that forever and uh, you should definitely stop asking me the question because I never have anything to add. I'll never stop, but I'm at Macclesfield next week, you're at Macclesfield next week, so we'll speak next weekend should be a bumper with with loads of great analysis and hot takes to, to quote me so um so yeah look forward to that excellent podcast no doubt yeah thank you very much cheers man the low strangers is proudly sponsored by the official stfc supporters club the music was created by the great matthew kilford and the artwork is provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Come on, boys. It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. Come on, you know the history. It's enough to make a hard go. What the hell do we care? Cause we only know that there's gonna be a show and the swind and turn will be there. Hi Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy. 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 